Don't look at just the amount of followers and the engagement that they get. Look at relevancy to your brand. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. Today, joining me all the way from sunny California is Myron Maru. Myron is the founder of Modern Gents Trading Company. We met last fall at uh, Clavio Boston. Uh, We were both far from home. Uh, and he enjoys drinking cheap beer and so do I. So that's how we met. Um, Myron, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Chase. Awesome. Awesome. So um, we met uh, at Clavio and you were kind of giving me history of the brand and kind of how you guys have evolved to where you are now. Uh, and what we kind of like realized is you guys have a really, really cool approach to your affiliate marketing or influencer marketing, however you want to kind of bill it. Uh, so we're going to get into that in a bit. But before that, let's kind of talk about the history of the brand and like how you got to where you are now. So what were you doing before the brand, I guess? Yeah. So before the brand, um, I was working for... I was in the marketing automation field. So at the time, prior to actually launching this brand, I was working for a company called Silence. It's an artificial intelligence cybersecurity company. Uh, it was a tech startup in Irvine. It was just super fast-paced. Craziness. I was running like a, a ton of like marketing automation campaigns for B2B uh, potential customers, doing a lot of like event marketing and things like that. Really cool stuff. I was using Marketo. So uh, a lot of like automation and rules behind the scenes for different email and other sorts of campaigns. And so while doing that, I had already been in the uh, marketing space for quite a bit, um, had done similar roles in other companies uh, you know, previous to that. Uh, launched the brand, I think it was July of 2017. And um, yeah, me and my business partner, uh, Mike Lestrina, who's a super awesome dude. He's he's actually uh, busy working right now. But uh, him and I started the company. Uh, originally, we were selling like men's accessories and rings with the kind of focus of selling you know wedding rings. Um, just because him and I had both kind of talked and we're both married men. Um, and we were talking about like how wedding rings are kind of a ripoff. And we're just looking at like the men's rings in general, such a basic band that just goes around your finger. And like you had like stores like K's and Jared, you know, charging like 300, 400 bucks for just a hunk of metal. So him and I kind of decided like, Hey, like I'm sure it doesn't cost that much to manufacture these things. Uh, let's look into it. We launched the site. Yeah. Things kind of exploded a couple months later and here we are almost three years in things are flourishing. We've got a pretty good sized staff. We've got our own building. 
you know, we've uh, come a long way. And with that, there were lots of you know, struggles and challenges, but definitely lots of good learnings you know, to building a brand, especially uh, in the current day and age of influencers and Instagram celebrities, as you would call them. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I could go on all day about it. But uh, for the most part, it's been a wild journey and happy to be here. And uh, you know, we're on Shopify, which is an amazing platform coming from other uh, e-commerce platforms like Magento and some other uh, platforms that I don't even want to mention. Uh, Shopify has definitely been great with its cloud-based infrastructure. You don't have to worry about like hiring IT staff to kind of maintain stuff. So everything's been good working in the cloud. Awesome. So uh, I like to ask this question to people. What was like the biggest mistake you made in growing the brand that you want to help listeners avoid? Biggest mistake? I would say is growing too fast, <laughs> being ready for scalability, and looking at your infrastructure. Like if you're going to run, you know, ad campaigns and you're going to scale up, make sure that you're properly staffed and able to handle the volume. You know, that's definitely some uh, one mistake that we did make is just under anticipating the uh, the power of uh, online advertising and the rapid rate in which you can grow a company. So I would say that was definitely a mistake. Now we've kind of gone through the hurdle and. Now we're looking at data, forecasting a little bit better, and kind of being a little bit more methodical about how we uh, play. Yeah, that's something I always ask uh, brands when we're discussing like working together. And I was like, "Hey, like, imagine if your sales doubled next week. Like, could you do that? Is that possible? Is that something that you guys could actually fulfill?" Yeah, that's definitely something. It's you know, and coming from my background, you know, kind of working more like I I had done, yeah. Brand businesses on the side, nothing necessarily to the extent of what we've had here, uh, you know, with Modern Gents. But my business partner Mike, uh, he founded a uh, a company, 2012. It was actually a, a wood printing company. Uh, actually, the first company that invented the technology to print on wood. And so he was in the e-commerce space with more like customized products, and he had kind of seen the wrath of rampant growth and what it can do to a company. And when you're slammed with orders and you're slammed with you know, just tons of calls and emails, and you don't have the staff to really like support all of that, things can go haywire really fast. And you know, it's maintaining like that level of customer satisfaction, making sure you're getting your order shipped out, and then also like brand reputation. If you're the type of company that's just going to be taking orders and can't ship stuff out or can't uphold the promises that you're going to make, you know, word's going to spread and your reputation for your brand is just going to tarnish online. So you know, having those things in mind, definitely important. Yeah, uh, that's especially super prudent right now. Uh, we're recording this kind of in the middle or tail end. I don't know what we'd call it of the you know epidemic uh, pandemic that's going on. Yeah. So messaging and making sure you can fulfill is like so top of mind right now uh, for for anybody. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. You know, the situation that we're all in. You know, globally, um, if you think about it. Yeah, just with infrastructure and looking at like the logistics of your business and how you know what you're reliant upon you know even like the simplest thing like bubble mailers being able to secure enough bubble mailers to get your orders out you know can be a challenge like we found like there was a specific company we were ordering from and uh we were ordering in bulk and they just like completely like shut their doors so we had to quickly pivot and find another you know manufacturer of bubble mailers and to kind of like you know get the ball rolling or else we wouldn't be able to ship orders out so Things like that. It's just crazy how reliant we are upon each other as businesses. Yeah, that's something that I hadn't even considered is all the nuance that goes into fulfilling an order. Like you may have the product in stock, but there's other stuff you need to get it done. Absolutely. Packaging inserts, you know, like 
you know, we include, we have like jewelry boxes that we send our rings in. So, um, you know, making sure we have those properly printed, you know, make, we have them like foil stamps and everything. We've got like cleaning cloths that go in there. There are a lot of like components that go into our packages. So making sure that like our supply chain is good and we're able to like get those together. And then also like, you know, at the same time, you know, with like restrictions on like shipping in general and like running a business and keeping a, the doors open, you know, we had to kind of scale back a bit and go, basically most of our staff had to go remote and we had to operate like skeleton crew, you know, like this is what we can get done, obviously adhering to social distancing, best practices and things like that. But it's just kind of crazy, like just crazy times we live in. We can go on all day about that, but you know, I think we're here to talk about influencer marketing, right? Yeah. By the time this comes out, uh, I hope that the world's in a better place and people might not want to talk about this stuff anymore. Yeah. I'm kind of tired of talking about it too. (laughs) I feel like it's like the topic of conversation everywhere. If you're not talking about COVID, you're seeing COVID memes or you're seeing like Carol Baskin memes, Tiger King stuff. Like it's just weird times we live in. Yeah. Uh, I feel like <laughs> this was written by a comedian this year. Definitely. Yeah. It's a wild year. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have a f- almost 14 month old at home and I just can't wait to like reminisce about how crazy everything was like just walking in a grocery store and just seeing everybody wearing masks and kids wearing masks and just everybody acting as though it's just normal. Like it's the norm. Like if you were to give me, you know, a snippet of, you know, a snapshot of that, like last year, this time last year, I'd be like, you're crazy. This is, there's no way that this is going to go down, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. Mind blowing, mind blowing. I don't know how it is in Illinois. Uh, that's where you're at, right? Close enough. Ohio, right next door. Ohio. That's see. Yeah, too much of that cheap beer at the Clavio conference. I think it was actually more free beer. But uh, any, anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands deliver more personalized digital marketing experiences via email, SMS messages, social ads, and more. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more relevant. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. So let's let's pivot. Let's talk about influencers. Um, you you guys do quite a bit of marketing. Uh, you guys really understand your customers. And at the top of the funnel for prospecting using influencers, I think is genius, especially for kind of what you're doing. So I guess let's kind of walk us through how you approach that. And I, you know, maybe from the mindset of how a new brand or a younger brand or someone that hasn't doesn't have this program instilled in their kind of systems yet, like how they should be approaching it. Sure. So I would kind of categorize influencer marketing into for some brands it's worked really well as like their main source of just establishing their business, you know, given the uh, extreme level of quote unquote influence we have in social media these days, you know, people are more apt to kind of buy a product that somebody that they follow and trust would recommend. So it's almost like a modern day celebrity endorsement, if you think about it. So when we started this, uh, we weren't initially going down the influencer route in the beginning, just because we were kind of focusing on like building the the company and getting like logistics and everything down. And as far as advertising is concerned, we were just doing like, you know, Facebook and Instagram, but not necessarily on the organic or like influencer side. Now, I think it was about like a year in, 
we really saw the power of uh, what influencer marketing can do. You know, looking at other like big Shopify brands uh, that were just crushing it, like Movement Watches or like Pure Vita bracelets or any of those other influencer marketing heavy um, companies. We saw the the trend kind of going in that direction, and obviously. It all comes down to user attention. There's so much noise on the newsfeed already, or you know, on the Instagram feed, you're scrolling. It's like your friends pick an ad, friends pick another ad, another ad is something that you haven't even talked about. You might have thought about. So it's just kind of crazy because of that noise. You know, we wanted to figure out a way to capture people's attention through a more kind of organic looking approach. So we decided to go into influence marketing, and obviously, we we had like three goals in mind. We wanted increased exposure, which in turn could translate to increased potential revenue. But we knew it wasn't necessarily going to be a direct like translation or, you know, you're not going to get like that same level of measurement that you get from like a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or any sort of social ad that has good tracking or analytics. So increased exposure, which in turn kind of increases social presence. And so that directly can relate to like followers on Instagram. Instagram is pretty much like the main social channel that we've used for influencer marketing. We've done some stuff on like YouTube, but Instagram is definitely like where it's at right now. And so that increased exposure could potentially turn into revenue, but then it also increases social presence. And then in turn from there, you get a lot of really good UGC or user-generated content. Now, when working with influencers, a lot of times you can negotiate like, all right, can we use the content that you create, whether it be like a video review or a photo, can we use that on our feed? And can we also embed that like on our site? Can we use it for email blasts? Can we use it for like banners for collection pages, things like that? So going from increased exposure to increased social presence and then getting better user-generated content, we figured we can create this sort of like organic look and feel throughout all of our presence across the web. So not only like are you gonna see photos of people like just out doing their everyday things, wearing our rings. You're going to see them on Instagram, whether it be on their social profile or on their profile, on our profile, you'll see it on our site because we're also using 460, which is like a shoppable Instagram sort of uh, plugin. And products are tagged in there. People are able to see, all right, here's what this product looks like. Here are different photos that it's, that it's uh, tagged in on Instagram. So they can kind of visualize like what this product looks like out you know, in the wild. And then from there, it's just like taking that content and then using it for things like I said, email blasts, you know, collection banners and things of the sort. Altogether, it gives you a less sterile sort of look and a more lifestyle-y, kind of well-integrated brand look and feel, I should say. You know, it's just it's basically it gives you that organic look and it doesn't make you seem like just some pop-up Shopify store that's dropshipping shit from China. So that's essentially what we were trying to go for, you know, because we're in it for the long haul, building the brand, building trust, building credibility with our customers and just our followers on social that might not necessarily be customers yet. So when we did that, we started uh, reaching out to just people that we, you know, I had a few employees just dedicated to scrubbing Instagram and just going through and like finding influencers or people that were on there. And not necessarily heavy hitters, but like people with maybe like 10,000 followers, you know. 15,000 followers, 5,000 followers, just anybody who looks like they kind of fit like the aesthetic that we were going for. And we would just DM them and kind of get their feel on like how they, how comfortable they are working with brands. And in the beginning, people weren't really like, they weren't really transacting the way they're transacting now. Like, it seems like everybody who's got like 10,000 plus followers has some sort of like an email address in their bio, you know, for, uh, 
DM for inquiries or send, send me an email if you want to work with me. And back then, it was more kind of like these people had a lot of followers, but they weren't really advertising the fact that they wanted to work with brands. So a lot of people that we reached out to had never worked with brands. So it was a little dicey kind of negotiating with them. Like there wasn't necessarily a right way of doing it. It was just kind of more like, hey, we like your aesthetic. We like feed, love your content. We want to work with you. Are you willing to collaborate with us? And so we just send them that and they'd be like, a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, what do you want me to do? Blah, 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 blah. And some people would be like, what do you mean? Like, give me more details. And so it came down to like, all right, we're going to send you some product and you do a post, promote us on your story, tag us in it, and then shake hands. And then if, if it works out, you know, we might work again later. So we started with kind of more like a non-paid approach. Like here's free product. If you're really interested in the brand, it will send you a couple rings, some accessories, things like that. And, um, you know, do a post for us and, you know, we're good. That's the transaction done and then move on. And if that influencer, you know, brought in any sort of like traction or, you know, a lot of like engagement, then we'd work with them again and send them more stuff. And so in the beginning, it started with like just trades. I guess that you would call it like a trade transaction. And from there, we noticed that there were a hell of a lot of people that were just scamming us. There's just people out there that were like, yeah, for sure, I'll do it. You send them the product and then crickets. People would ghost us all the time. So we started being a little more like picky choosy about who we'd work with and kind of take a look and see, all right, had they have they collaborated with brands before? You know, are they credible or trustworthy? And while doing that, we found like this app on the App Store called Collaborate. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's like spelled like collab or and then the number eight. And so we hopped on there and we started like finding influencers through there. And that platform was pretty cool because there were influencers kind of had like a rating. So if brands would go on there to work with them, they had a good experience, they'd give that influencer a rating, like yeah, five stars, four stars, whatever. And as a brand, you could kind of create like a sort of listing or a campaign and people could reach out to you based on like the criteria. So it was almost like tapping into a network of influencers that were on the app and just were willing to work with brands and just knew the the gamut. Like they knew how it worked. This is how it gets done. And the cool thing about Collaborate was they had like a little... I think it was like an escrow account to where if you were doing a paid collaboration, which we hadn't really done too many of those until we got on there. If you were doing a paid collaboration, you would like put funds in there and the influencer wouldn't get the funds released to them until like you approved, you know, whatever sort of, you know, content they they produced. And it was up and, you know, basically the terms were met and you pay the influencer and then you move on and then you can give them a rating or whatever. And then for those that worked out well, you could work with them again. So it was interesting as we were doing that, we noticed that there was a ton of like communication going going around. There were people that were like we were DMing, there were people we were emailing, there were people we were talking to and collaborate. And keeping track of this was nutty. You know, just it's like, all right, so who am I working with? What have they done? What have they produced? And from a business owner standpoint, like I had a few employees working on this and just kind of keeping track of it. It was still a complete cluster, just trying to like get any sort of like data, like, okay, like Emily Smith, I'm just gonna use that as, as an example. Emily Smith, we worked with her before. We've given her, you know, maybe like two or three products. We might have done like a paid collab or whatever. Like, what did she do? Where's the content at? How do we keep track of it? What was the original like agreement that we had with her? And because we might have worked with her in DMs or in the Collaborate app or on email, it was just a nightmare. 
So as we began to scale and grow this thing, we realized that it wasn't feasible to just like keep track of everything and just like kind of fly by the seat of your pants. So we had like this spreadsheet that was just gnarly, like just tons of information on there. And it was, we had to make sure that we kept it up to date as people did things. And it just became a task. Like I had like two full-time employees just working on that. And it was pretty nuts. And it wasn't that efficient because the time that they were spending on like reconciling like the information and putting it in the tracker, they could have been reaching out to more people. So it got pretty messy from there. So we were looking for an influencer marketing like solution to kind of, I guess, hurdle the stray cats, like, you know, get everything together and like corralled and, you know, put all the information in a single place, one sort of like line of communication for everything. And me as a business owner, being able to just hop in there and just take a look and see like macro stats, like, all right, how many influencers are we working with? You know, what's the amount of product that we've given out? What have we got back in, you know, revenue wise or engagement wise and things like that? And talking about like tracking revenue, that's another sort of dicey thing to even get into. I think we could probably hop into that later because I digress. But um, yeah, we were looking for a solution and uh, we landed on Grin, Grin.co, which is uh, an influencer marketing platform that uh, pretty much did everything we needed it to do in one single place. And yeah, um, I could talk more about details to that. I, I tend to go down a bunny hole or rabbit hole just because there's just so many things involved with this topic. But I'd rather you maybe uh, ask me a few specific questions so I can dive in. Uh, I don't know if all of this ranting is helpful. Yeah, I mean, I guess first and foremost, uh, how big did you actually get this program to where you needed an application? You know, a SaaS product to help you with. How many people do you think you were dealing with at a at a time to let people understand the expectations of a? You can start this program with a spreadsheet. It will work there. You don't need to invest in an app right off the get go. But like, when to start thinking about moving into something you know a little more serious? Sure. Um, so when we were just rocking, like you know, just collab that collaborate app and kind of reaching out, like just based on like I would call it like headhunting on Instagram. I'd say we were in talks with maybe about 75 to 100 influencers and actively working with maybe about like 30, 40 at a time. And so you can just imagine how much time it takes to like respond to emails and then like log information and then going back in and like verifying that they actually posted content, you know, following up with the, I'll call them the trolls or the scammers that, you know, just basically got the product and didn't do anything. And, you know, like there was a lot of coordination involved. And when it got to that, like, you know, 40 active influencers, 75 to 100, like in talks, it was just like, holy shit, this is super hard to handle. And like, employees are just like, they're spending all their day just like following up with people and like chasing trolls around to try to get them to post content. And it just got nutty. So you can definitely do it with a spreadsheet. And I'm sure a lot of other brands have done it with a spreadsheet, you know, and they've scaled it. There are probably better ways to do it now. But what we were doing is just, straight like we got to get influencers we got to just go and do it log it and just keep things going and kind of worry about like that top level reporting later and it got to the point of when we were actually like carving out a pretty good chunk of our budget to influencer marketing that we decided to invest in that SaaS product awesome so you know from 0 to 40 ish active retainer relationships going on at a time is kind of where you can Use maybe a DIY approach, and then it kind of turns into the headache that makes makes it worth the investment. For sure, and yeah, you can control. Like the problem is, is we were hitting it like at all different angles, 
like, all right, we're going to, we're going to talk to them through DMS. We're going to talk to them through email. We're going to talk to them through here in a perfect world if everybody just used Instagram DMS and actually check them and responded to them, then it would make, it would have made things a lot easier because you can kind of track your communications in there. But because we were using that other platform and then a lot of influencers are, you know, as people kind of got more like, they realized like, Hey, I could actually create a business out of my personal brand. People were you know, leaning more and more towards like being contacted through email and not through DMs. So it got it got to a point to where it was just like, you know, we we've got to talk to them in these different areas or else they're not going to respond to us. And there might there might have been some influencers that we were like really wanting to work with and we just couldn't necessarily get in contact with them without, you know, hopping to a different platform. Yeah. Um you said something earlier that I want to bring back up it which was you're carving out more and more of your budget. So this is your marketing budget? Uh yeah. So we'll just essentially like putting more money towards it. Like we went in with the expectation of just trying like a for trade sort of uh, approach in the beginning. So it's just like, all right, cost of product is essentially, you know, the cost for us. You know, if we send them like one, one ring, two rings, a, a bangle or earrings or any sort of accessories, like we would know like, all right, here's generally what we're going to send them in product costs. And then in exchange, we're going to get like, you know, a post or a story or whatever. And, we would give them like a discount code they could use so that we can somewhat track sales on you know, our end and you know, going in and like assigning the discount codes was, that, was also another thing that took forever. It's like, okay, you got to go in, you got to create the discount code and then log it in the spreadsheet. Like Emily Smith is going to have a code that might be like Emily Smith 20 for like 20% off. So then you'd have that there, you'd have the discount code logged and you'd look in your spreadsheet and you'd be like, all right, I want to see how Emily Smith is doing. And you go and then you have to take that discount code, hop back into Shopify, search, you know, for the discount, look at the sales by discount report. And then you'd finally see like, all right, Emily Smith brought in, you know, 50 sales, you know, X amount of revenue, whatever. She did pretty good because if you look at like return on investment, you know, I might have sent her like 40 bucks in product and I might have made a few thousand off of that. So I want to work with Emily Smith more. But in order to get to that like conclusion, there are so many steps involved. And then you got to do that for, you know, times that by 40 or times it by 100, you know, depending on how big you are. So it gets a little hairy after a while. Uh, I guess people are going to want to know how many are you working with now? We're working actively working with probably, I don't even have the exact number. I know it's definitely over 200. Whoa. And those are like, yeah. Is this your biggest channel uh, as far as acquisition goes? No, it's not. And it's kind of interesting. Like, so, and then this is a combination. Like, it's not like, 200 all at once, like every day, 200 people are going to post like within a giving like rolling 30 days, we'll probably work with like, you know, 200 influencers to where like we might have two or three posts a day or three or four or whatever. And if we have some that like we like working with, we'll set them up on like, you know, repeat posts. But our goal right now is just to get exposure to as many people as possible through social means and get that user generated content that just looks and feels great. And by like having a strict rigor of like going through these profiles and making sure we're working with the right people, we're able to do that. But you know, I, we could work with more if we want. But you know, I have two full time employees just dedicated to this. You know, I've got somebody who kind of handles like influencer relations, so kind of going back and forth with influencers, negotiations, and things like that. I set some sort of a threshold with uh, that employee, like, all right. If they're good, their stats look out good, uh, come out good. Yeah, because with Grin, you're able to look at like engagement reports and see like, all right, this person's got like 100,000 followers and they've got 
you know, a 7% engagement rate, which is outstanding. You know, we have this sort of calculator that we created and it's kind of, I can't remember exactly how we did it, but we came up with a dollar value based on the amount of followers and the engagement that they get. And it kind of spits out like a dollar value. And that's kind of what we use for like negotiating. And that might be kind of going a little bit further down, but we take that. And if somebody's like way outside of the range, then they bring it up to me and my business partner. And we kind of go through and like personally look at, you know, these like influencers that might be like celebrities or people that are just kind of way above like the threshold that we set. And we'll make the determination if we want to work with them or not. Yeah, that's some gold right there. Uh, if you could figure out what that calculation is and if you could share it, that'd be great. Not not necessarily now, we could put it in the show notes, but I'm sure people would be like curious as to like kind of how that calculation works. Yeah, it's obviously we got the engagement rate, and the only way you can really get the engagement rate is either you get it from the person themselves, which they're probably not going to give like the best, you know, represent they're gonna sugarcoat it. They're gonna be like, Oh yeah, I've got a twenty percent engagement rate. Like that's bullshit. Like if you have a twenty percent engagement rate, then I don't know. Like even Kylie Jenner, I think has like a one or two percent engagement rate. Like look at her Instagram account, but she's got like millions upon millions of followers. But you know, if you get that number and plug it in that calculator that we created, it just spits out like a dollar amount. And by no means is it super polished, but it's just a nice like starting point for negotiation. And yeah, I can I'll go in there and I'll I'll definitely get that sent over and I'll kind of break it down a little bit if you want to take a look at it. But yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And the whole like psychology behind like influencer negotiations and like working with these people, like you've got influencers that are like, you know, very humble and like willing to work with brands that they like. And then you've got some that are just super stuck up and they're like, yeah, like I won't do any, I won't do anything for less than $10,000. And they have like a hundred thousand followers and maybe like a low engagement rate calculator says they might be worth 800 bucks and they want 10 grand. Like we tell them to kick rocks or we just don't even bother working with them. And then you've got some that have like agents. And so like there's this whole crazy like talent economy that's out there, you know, based on influencers. There's like influencer agencies that are managing people like they're celebrities. And you know, you work with the agent, and obviously the agent is taking a cut. And then there's certain restrictions you might have with, you know, how you can use the content. Like we were working with a celebrity, it was like a, a game show host. I can't remember I I'm not even going to drop names, but yeah. Anyway, we were trying to work with this girl, and uh, the agent was like, "Oh yeah, well, um, we're down to do the collab, but you can't use any of the content that she created on any of your uh, other than your like Instagram account. You can't use it on your website. You can't use it for anything else. You can't post it in other social channels." And that kind of rubbed us the wrong way. And they still wanted a pretty decent. That makes it not worth it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, if you're looking at the goals, like that checks the exposure goal. For sure, because if that person's got like two million followers or whatever, you know, like, all right, you're going to get exposure, but then it's short lived. Like, if it's a story or a post, like, it's going to be forgotten. But if you if you're able to take that content and like repost it on your feed and maybe use it like later on in an email blast or have it on your site or whatever, like, you know, it lives on and you kind of get a little bit more for your investment. And if it's somebody that people recognize, they're instantly going to you know resonate with that, and they might be like, oh yeah, so and so. Uh, you know, worked with this brand, they must be trustworthy. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H-O-N-E-S-T VIP to 72599 to join. 
By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. Yeah, I think that is probably a part that a lot of people overlook with the influencer thing is just one, creating content is a beast of a just thing to do for a business. It's a lot of work. Uh, I probably spend uh, half my time creating content for the agency. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, well, it is fun, but it's like, you know, I'd rather be, <laughs> I'd rather be strategizing or, you know, working with clients or, you know, there's a lot of other things that are a little bit more fun. For sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, just like within that content creation part of the influencer marketing thing, like that, all that content you're getting just makes everything else so much easier. Like coming up with content for your Facebook ads, done. You got all this stuff. Content for your email blast, done. You got all that stuff. Honestly, your social media is pretty much going to run itself at that point because you've got so much UGC coming in. Exactly. And that that was kind of the goal. It's like the UGC is a big... You know, People judge a brand based on their social media channels because more than likely, that's like the first touch point. Unless... Yeah, you know, we rank on Google for a lot of keywords and yeah, you know, they might find us through like, you know, a Google search or something. But majority of the time people are gonna be coming from like Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, or wherever. They're gonna see our brand, the content that we post on there, the content that we're tagged in, yeah, what people are saying about us, and they hop over to the site and just having that sprinkled throughout the site to kind of give it life and you know, give it that organic sort of feel is definitely beneficial. And you can't necessarily put like a dollar value on it, but you can, but you know, it's, it's, it's more like qualitative versus quantitative. Like it's not as cut and dry as like, all right, if you work with 200 influencers, you're going to get a 10 X ROI or return on ad spend or whatever. Like that's, it, it doesn't work that way. You know, there is some reporting capabilities, you know, like I said, like having special discount codes, but the problem with that is you have these discount codes that you create. People go on your site. And they might find like another discount, or they, they might find a discount code that might be higher if you're running a promotion and like managing that whole like spectrum of like you know coordinating like a you know seasonal campaign with influencer discount codes. And if they see the content like a couple months later, like it might not necessarily align. So people might be using other discount codes or not using discount codes at all, and you can't necessarily like do a one-to-one translation as to whether or not Emily Smith brought in, you know, 50 sales or she brought in 100 sales. So it's kind of hard and grin that uh, the platform that we use actually makes it pretty easy cuz it automat based on criteria it'll automatically generate discount codes. It'll um, it'll automatically create like orders in Shopify to send, you know, product out to these influencers and then it gives you like, you know, return on investment sort of reporting and it gives you like more of a it gives you a straight like Here's your uh, return on investment, you know, from a sales standpoint, and then it gives you some sort of like an engagement ROI, which I haven't necessarily paid too much attention to. I just make, I just basically look and see, like, all right, are we doing, are we on the upside with, you know, the ROI that we're getting that's actually trackable, and are we somewhat profitable? We obviously know that there's a black hole because people are interacting with the site in so many different ways, and because you can't necessarily like put an affiliate link through Instagram, like. There are ways like they can do them with swipe up links or they can put the link in their bio. It's not necessarily as directly translatable as like having a, cl- a link that they click that's like cookied and gives you the ability to, uh, you know, actually track, you know, whether or not they make a purchase within a conversion window. Yeah. It's uh, tracking 
affiliates and tracking influencers and tracking just where customers first interact and then like the last interaction that makes them purchase is a whole wild west of data analytics uh, that is definitely better suited for a different show. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I think at the end of the day, though, you can definitely draw a direct correlation between, well, we were working with X amount of influencers a month and you know, sales are at this and now we're working with Y and sales are that. Like there's definitely a correlation between the amount of effort that you're putting into a channel that you know that's working and what you're seeing on the other side. Yeah, it's kind of one of those good faith channels. Like, you know, you're putting it in, you know, you're not going to necessarily be able to see like direct quantitative stats right away. It's kind of more of a snowball effect, really. Like once you get that tipping point on social to where you're yeah, you know, you've got tons of content being pushed out. You got tons of people posting about you. You've got a lot of like, you got a lot of buzz going on. You know, in these uh, channels about your brand, it only adds to your credibility, and then you know, just increases your exposure to other people. And you know, from a psychological standpoint, if they see a lot of people talking about it, people kind of have like this sort of FOMO, like. Yeah, fear of missing out. Like, oh wow, well, everyone's talking about modern gents rings. Like, maybe I should look into buying one of those. And from there, it kind of takes it just takes you to that next level that you couldn't necessarily get to without you know user generated content. And not to say that you can't uh, get that content from your customers. Like, you can use like reviews platforms like Stamp.io or um, uh, what's that other one? That big one. Can't remember. Um, Yapo. Yapo. There we go. Yeah, we use Stamp, but um, driving like your existing customer base to post user generated content is one thing. But at the same time, then you got to capture like, you know, release forms and other things like that, which having a, an influencer platform that kind of keeps track of all that for you and makes people kind of e sign an agreement saying, like, hey, if you submit content, like you're giving up, you're signing over the rights for us to use this in any way, shape, or form. Like, and that's kind of the other thing from a compliance standpoint. It's like we don't want to be like just taking people's content that they do, you know, for us, and then go and post it. And let's say I, I run a Facebook ad for it, and it gets like tons of exposure. And then the person comes back later saying like, "Hey, I never authorized you guys to use this for an advertisement." So, you know, having that baked into that platform makes it a lot easier versus like having to get people to like e-sign a disclosure. Or, or like email them some sort of like a PDF that they print out and sign and send back to you. Like that's if you're doing it by the book, which I would always recommend doing things by the book. I don't I don't like shortcuts and I don't like dealing with uh, any sort of like legal mishaps that could potentially occur. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, dude, you've come on here and you've shared just so much awesome information about you know how influencer marketing works and kind of the ins and outs. I can't thank you enough. There is there anything that I forgot to ask you about that you think is worthwhile with sharing before we end the podcast. I would say like to anybody who's looking to, you know, start influencer marketing, I would just dive right into it. Like don't even hesitate. Like for for it took us a year to even like dip our toe in the water and I just wish I would have cannonballed right into that swimming pool because there's so much power behind it and it can only complement whatever sort of other advertising methods that you're using and other avenues and channels and it has a more of a long-term effect because it builds your social presence. You know, you're going to gain more followers. People are going to talk more about your brand. And I think it's overall, it's just a good thing. I would almost compare it to like, like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like celebrity endorsements. Like, you know, you think about a celebrity that you might trust or like you just really enjoy. And if they're using a specific product, you might be more willing to, to use it yourself. And not to say that 
you have to use macro influencers. You can use micro influencers too, because we live in a day and age where somebody with 4,000 followers might have a better engagement rate than somebody who has 40,000 or 400,000. And there might be more... It, it all comes down to quality over quantity too. So like that person with 4,000 followers, you know, if they have a 50% engagement rate, there's like 2,000 people that are just really into that person and really want to kind of get involved with what they're doing. And they're just super interested. Like if you look at like very tight knit groups of people like moms, for instance, you know, like a lot of like mom blogs and like mom accounts, people are going through similar situations. Like you know, pregnancy and like having their first kid and other things like that. And we actually used a lot of mom accounts because, you know, when, uh, when people are, when you know, people are pregnant, their ring size tends to change, you know, their, their fingers swell up. So we, we targeted that specific group because we wanted them, we wanted people to know like, Hey, like if your finger's swelling, yeah, you, know, you can change your, instead of changing like your ring size of your wedding band that you got, you can get another ring that might be a different size and it's not going to break the bank. So different things like that, like getting creative with like how you're targeting these influencers. Like, don't look at just the amount of followers and the engagement that they get. Look at relevancy to your brand. Myron, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You shared just so much awesome stuff. Glad to be here. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.